Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. This is going to be a real life stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. And we have another great missionary that's going to be hopping on the show today, Brant Jordan, uh, missionary to Sierra Leone. We really look forward to hearing his story. And we've loved all these missionary stories. They're super cool, man. So check them out. I hope that you not only listen, but again, that you share and interact with other people, send a DM, post it on your social. We'd really appreciate that. Like, share, and subscribe to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We encourage all of you uh, and just thank you for listening each and every week. Right now we have the two different episodes that we flush out on a weekly basis. We have Verse by Verse with Dr. R.B. Maynard, and then we have the Real Life Stories Edition. All these missionaries, I accidentally posted two last week. We normally just post one week. I posted two last week, so you might have to catch up a little bit there. So let's not waste any time. We're going to welcome him right on to the Grace Point Daily Podcast, Brant Jordan, missionary to Sierra Leone. Brant, how are you doing, sir? Very well. Thank you, Pastor Johnson. I appreciate you hopping on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. You're all the way, or well, not all the way, but you're kind of on the other side of the world right now. I am on the other side of the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, in Southwest so, Missouri, it is actually snowing right now as we speak. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> snowing. Well, so not just snowing here. Yeah, just lovely weather that we're having. But uh, I will, for this conversation, I will visualize myself right there in Kenya, Africa, because you're in Kenya right now, not Sierra Leone. But I, I'm visualizing myself right now. I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. I am at Monkey Park right now. I am with monkeys handing out <laughs> peanuts. They're climbing all over me. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day here, that's for sure. Nice and cool, but it's a beautiful day. <laughs> well, we are so grateful to have you on the Grace One Day podcast. We've been talking to all these missionaries, and I know that you're going to have a great, uh, great stories, thoughts, and insights for us today. Give us a quick bio of who you are, Brant. Uh, Brant, Joanne, Jordan. Uh, we serve in Sierra Leone, and I've got two adult uh, uh, kids. Uh, my daughter's married and has two grandkids, two boys, and I have a son that's just about ready to graduate college. So, wow, that's, that's awesome. I'm getting into that phase. I've, I have four kids, two daughters that are going to be graduating from high school next month. Ah, so, I'm, I'm okay. heading into that time frame of life. <laughs> I still have two six year old boys. So, I'm, I still got a long way to go, uh-huh. brother. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Brent, let's talk a little bit about your spiritual journey. And I mean, we're going to get into missions, but tell us about your story, your testimony of faith growing up. Um, I was not a believer growing up um, and had never really been to church before until I was about 17. My grandfather had gotten saved and um, he began inviting our family to church. Of course, we weren't interested. But uh, finally, my father decided that we all needed to go to church, so my grandfather would quit calling us. Mm -hmm. And um, so we went and uh, began to hear the gospel, and one thing led to another, and God changed my life. So that's kind of how all that happened in a short short version. What part of the country did you grow up in? I grew up in East Texas in Longview. Okay, awesome. You don't have too strong of a, a Texas twang there, but you are a Texan. I traveled too many places. 
So as you begin to you work with more languages and live in different places, uh, heavy accents are not helpful. Yeah. What, what would, did you have a category? I mean, you didn't grow up a Christian, you said, but did you have a category? So for example, I didn't grow up a Christian, but you know, if someone asked us, well, what are you? We would just, the fallback being we were Catholic, but what was your, did you have a fallback or a category that you fell into? No, no, not at all. Just, um, irreligious maybe. I, I mean, I wouldn't have used that term, obviously, sure. but, but that's, you know, that that's the kind of maybe the sociological term I would use. Yeah. Did, now. I mean, did you have, I mean, would you say you believed in God or did you ever like say a prayer or, you know, we'd like every and, once in a while go to a know, church or something? No, no, nothing like that. I mean, I, I suppose I did, but I didn't think about it. It was not a concern of mine. You know, I was living a totally different life and was not interested in the things of God and didn't really, other than one one young lady that went, used to witness to me in uh, geometry is the only thing really good to come out of math in okay. my high school career. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but anyway, but uh, yeah, I heard a bit about the gospel from her, but really she was the first Christian to ever really shared her testimony with me. Okay. But at that point in life, you were just a teenage boy and you're like, wow, she's really cute. You never really gave much thought to what she was pitching you. I just thought she was kind of strange. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So your grandpa gets saved and which is, you know, obviously the probability or statistics, which would tell us that, you know, most people get saved when they're younger rather than older, right. but your grandpa gets saved, uh, obviously later on in life. Cause he's a grandpa. So he's not a teenager or young right. adult or anything right. like that. What was that? Was that like an evangelist, like some revival tent meeting he went to? You what know, was his experience? My grandmother had, had, uh, gone to church always and had been a believer. Um, and, uh, she just always was trying to get uh, you know, others to go to church with her. Of course, no one was interested. Um, but I don't know how, uh, my, my grandfather got saved. I just know he did. I mean, when he, when he got saved, he was just on fire for the Lord and he wanted all of his kids to come to Christ. And uh, of course there were seven of them adults, my father being one. And, um, so he began calling them every, every weekend, you know, so, that was our way to uh, get him to quit calling us. Was we went to church. Wow. <laughs> we decided we if we did it one time, maybe he will stop. But we sure. realized, you know, that what God would do. And um, was that a whole family that the day that day you went to church? What, do you remember that day? Was it like did you guys? Yeah. Wait, I think we're supposed to put dress shirts on, or wait, do we put on dress uh, shoes, or what are we supposed no, to do here? You know, my, well, my dad had grown up uh, in, in church and grown up in the Assemblies of God, but of course I didn't know that at that time. But uh, anyway, but uh, no, we just you know went, uh, didn't really know what to expect. I'd never been in a church service before, so it was it was interesting and weird at the same time. Um, and uh, and then, um, but I, I yeah, I remember uh, going. And, uh, you know, the most appealing things, every, everyone was so kind okay. and, uh, I'd never been in a, you know, the world's not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so that was kind of unsettling in a good way. Hmm. 
Give me, um, you know, so, every, that's the beauty of our testimony is everyone has a different experience, a different encounter. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people say, you know, man, I, when I walked into church, I just felt the presence of the Lord. And um, wh- what were you feeling? What was that like for you? Did you have any of that, that type of thing going on? Or No, you know, I wouldn't have known the presence of the Lord unless he knocked me down. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about that. But we just, um, everyone was so happy. Uh, it, it seemed like. Um, and so friendly, you know, they wanted to talk to me, to meet me. You know, of course, I was Maureen, my grandmother, you know, Maureen and Doc, my grandparents. I was their grandson. So it was a bit of novelty there. Um, but um, it was it was really very that was very appealing. Um, that love and friendliness and just genuine. It seemed very happy people. Uh, certainly I'd never encountered anything like that. Hmm. So was that, did you get saved as a family? Did your dad say, okay, we're all going to get no. saved now. Was that an individual thing? No. How did that happen? No, for you? I came, I, I just slowly, I kept coming, you know, kind of off and on by myself and, and came to Christ. And then my mother started coming with me and, uh, I came back to Christ. She had actually been raised church of Christ. And then my father uh, was the last one, and uh, uh, he started uh, coming. And then my sister and her husband came and 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 gave their lives to Christ. And uh, you know, so yeah, yeah. was so. it a was it a big moment for you? Or I mean, did you did you hear God's voice? Was was it a salvation mm-hmm. moment and a calling moment? You're a missionary. So was it no. like, hey, I'm going to get saved. And all of a sudden, God spoke to no. me and I saw Africa. And <laughs> No, nothing like that. Okay. It's a very, very uh, kind of a slow process. I don't really remember a moment of, uh, you know, I'm going to go down to the altar and, and give my life to Christ. I remember being baptized in the Holy Spirit, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I was... I, I was so far from God, and I had so much to learn, and so ignorant of, of the things of God, um, that it was a it was a great. I, I want to say a, a embryonic experience. I mean, a growth. You know, that church it was just a little church, more old people, but mm-hmm. it was a very safe place mm-hmm. um, uh, to grow, to learn, and. You know, that was a place I, I learned to pray in the altars around those old people, listening to them pray, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, they they are the ones that prayed me through to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's where I really began to sense a call to, to ministry. I wasn't quite sure about missions, but definitely ministry at that point. How old were you? Okay, two questions. How old were you when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit? And uh, then oh. that connection to the calling of God, describe that to me. Yeah, I would say I was I was right in I, within within probably six months after I begun to come to church and to give my heart to Christ. Um, I, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, um, and uh, it was very clear to me that that God had called me to to some type of ministry. I wasn't quite sure because you know again I I was just totally ignorant of the things of God, you know, never mm-hmm. cracked a Bible, never heard a sermon, nothing like that. So, um, you know, it was at first just a real, um, 
kind of an incubation time of learning to pray, learning to seek God, learning to read the Bible, um, understand uh, the things of God and um, um, and grow in the spirit. And then when I went to Bible college, it was more uh, solidified me as far as calling and things like this. Yeah. Before we move on, could you, I just turned 42 last week. And uh, so I still have people in my church that are like, oh, you're just a little whippersnapper. You just, oh man. Um, so anyway, uh, not that I feel old or whatever, but I'm, I'm not 25 yeah. anymore either. You know what I'm saying? So talk sure. to me, pre-chat for a second, pre-chat, um, the older people that might be listening to the podcast. Cause what I'm hearing in your story as we're talking about it is their influence and meaningfulness in your life as a believer and a follower of Christ. And I believe that, you know, we need to reiterate and encourage those that, yeah. you know, in the life of the church, how important their role is and can be yeah. to people that are coming into the life in the church. Preach at them for a second. Yeah. I, you know, it was vital. I mean, there were only a handful of teenagers in the church I got saved in. And so, um, and, and really they weren't that much too interested in the things of God. And so I really learned um, Christianity from them. You know, they, I, I listened when we went down to the altar to pray on, on Sunday nights. That, that was who I listened to, to, to kind of figure out how you pray. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then of course, you know, I, I love what I loved is sitting with them, maybe at a fellowship or something. And they would tell me something about something years ago when somebody had gotten healed or somebody got saved, somebody got delivered, you know, and those stories, they kind of developed, I would say my, my, my kind of nascent beginning theology was developed there, or, or specifically, I guess you might say, ecclesiology, what church is. Mm -hmm. um, and in so many ways, uh, just listening. Wow. As you start so to, rich. yeah, as you start to sense the calling of God in your life, were those same individuals, were they the ones that said, okay, uh, now you need to go to Bible college? Or how did you begin to walk down that path and begin and, that journey? No, you know, the Bible college deal really came through my pastor. Uh, he's the one that encouraged me, and uh, his name is John Sewell. And uh, Brother Sewell is now, he's in his 80s. I don't know how old he is, but uh, he's still serving the Lord. Not not a pastor, of course, but he's retired um, but he and his wife, Clarice, were, were very instrumental in just kind of nurturing me and helping me and saying, you know, Brant, they, matter of fact, he's the one uh, that took us to campus days um, and uh, down at Southwestern in Waxahachie, okay. uh, Texas, and, and really was instrumental in kind of leading me that direction. He was the one, <laughs> interestingly enough, that really told my mom, you know, uh, you guys, you should get an NIV Bible. He can understand that better. You know, mm -hmm. this was back, <laughs> you know, years and years. Sure. Um, and uh, but it, he really was instrumental in helping me because he knew I just I I I was totally ignorant. Yeah. In the things of God, and I needed a a kind of fatherly yeah. pastor figure to help me. 
Yeah. As you go to Bible college, um, you talk to me about that journey. I know for me, just a, this is not my story, but you know, I, I had gotten saved as a senior in high school, very little, um, knowledge of the Bible, faith. And so I go to Bible college, all of a sudden there's all these pastors, kids, and you know, I'm sitting in college class and they're like, Oh man, if you don't know John three 16, you're a total moron. You know, just like they, I was like, wait, what John three 16, what, uh, what were you feeling in sensing as you began that Bible college journey? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you, for many years as, as a new believer, I felt behind the curve. Um, when, when dealing with church kids, um, although I, to me, they were very naive in a lot of ways, but because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, my experience for the other side, but, um, but no, uh, really it, it, Bible college was instrumental, uh, just a couple, couple of people, but in particular ones was, was a guy named Delmer Gwines. Uh, and again, Delmer's, uh, retired and quite elderly now, but, um, his, uh, love those old school he, names. Don't you Delmer? Like, yeah, who, you know. <laughs> yeah. Delmer and Eleanor, <laughs> that, those were their names and yeah. Delmer and Eleanor, they were missionaries originally to China and then later Malaysia. Um, and, uh, he came to teach, he and his wife came to teach at Southwestern and then later became the president, uh, president of the school. And man, just he had a fire for missions and for prayer. And one of the first things he did when he came to the school was he started a missions prayer meeting on Monday night, 7, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., two hours of prayer. Of course, it was astounding to me. I never prayed for two hours in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a newer believer, you're like, two hours? Is it possible? Right. And, uh, <laughs> So yeah. I started going to that though because it was such a challenge and so meaningful to me, and um, and then later actually I became a leader in in one of those. Um, uh, so we had different areas where we would pray for different parts of the world, and I became the home missions prayer leader, and uh, that was really that was formative. I would say that was really deeply formative uh, in my life for missions. Hmm. Wow. Then, uh, so that that's where you begin to kind of digest, process the calling of God to missions. But you started off as what yeah. uh, after Bible college? You started pastoring in a local church, or what, what did you do after Bible college? I, you know, I just I still felt I needed so much, and I did <laughs> um, in experience in ministry. So my wife and I, though she was uh, uh, had grown up in the church, we started out actually in children's ministry. Um, in the inner city of uh, Fort Worth, and then later took an associate pastorate, um, and then um, eventually I went to seminary because I really wanted. I kind of figured out what I really want to do is teach on the mission field in the Bible schools, and so I, I went to a GTS, got my Master of Divinity. And then I pastored, and then we we just kind of basically kept on until we really felt like this is the time, and then we launched out. Um, and one day I called Mike McLaughlin, who's then the, the Africa director, and told him I'm almost forty years old. Am I too old? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, 
he, of course, because, you know, years ago, if you were a certain age, they would not let you go to the field. Right. You yes. Were considered too old. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, we were talking about that on God one of my last podcasts with, uh, yeah. uh, they were late forties, almost 50 when they, uh, this couple became missionaries and they were talking about that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Used to, I can't remember what age was, but if you reached a certain age, they would not allow you to go. <laughs> um, and, uh, but Anyway, he was thrilled, and I was honored that that he said, yes, you know, we want you to apply, and that began the process, and, um, you know, it was, a, it was a big launching from there, so. Wow. When, uh, yeah, and, and talk to me a little bit about, I think one thing that people, I don't want to say not understand, but we can kind of get out of whack in our spiritual life, and that uh, as we navigate and work through the calling of God, that that, that shifts and there's, you know, it, it, it's not always God speaks and then we just go and do that. I mean, you know, you were a children's pastor and then you were an associate pastor and those were all good things. And those were all things God wanted for you. And it was, yes, it was heading towards this, this path of being a missionary. Um, but that didn't happen just overnight. And, and I think I love, sometimes we just, need to stay patient and let God work what he's wanting to do and take us to the places. And, you know, if there is something earlier on, God's going to get it. Am I making sense? Talk to, talk yeah. to us about that. A no. Little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. You know, um, I think, and I think this kind of resonates with Americans. We tend to be so individualistic. So, um, but I, I do think the, the, the call and, and particularly the ministry outflow of that call, it can be can be very unique, and so that kind of fits in our culture of individualism. Um, and, and unique, not a not a to a point of aberrant or or ignorant, but mm-hmm. but unique in a, in a point of of uh, fruitfulness, um, and that God uses people within the capabilities they have at the time. You know, God doesn't expect capabilities we don't have. And he can use the capabilities we do have or potentially have. And um, so, you know, to, to me, I would tell a person, you know, your first calling is to Christ. And then everything else flows out of that. Mm-hmm. And as a as calling to Christ and then a calling to minister to the lost, and that's going to look differently at different times. Yeah. Um, you know, it's part of it is our... Um, age or our uh, kind of social sociologically where we're at if we are married and have a bunch of kids or you you know just whatever is going on in your life mm-hmm. god can still have a call and he can use you but there are just certain situations where you're not as functional in certain areas yeah. you know and so and that's not a bad thing <laughs> yeah Great. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was going to, that's a great explanation. I think that's just helpful for people uh, as we navigate the journey of our faith and and how we not only live out our faith, but try to live out what God's calling us to do and God's calling us to be. When did, um, talk to me about as you finally make that jump to be a full time missionary that was it a moment. Uh, I know you said you got, had the conversation with the individual it's kind of time and Start talking to me about how that process went for you, becoming a full-time missionary. Yeah, that was, wow, that was really big, you know, because 
uh, and, and it becomes bigger. Um, I say it becomes bigger because in the beginning, you're fairly ignorant of, of what, what it really means. You just, it's almost like pastoring, almost, um, in that, you know, a youth pastor maybe looks, oh, I could I, I can do what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, or she's what does doing he do anyway? <laughs> I, I could do that. You know, you preach and and then, you know, you take that mantle of ministry and you realize that there's so much more than you ever could conceive yeah. <laughs> uh, to the job. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it's a job, but you know what I mean. Sure. Um, so I think for us, you know, we weighed um, our big weight we were talking about was, you know, our kids, uh, the ages they were. If we if we don't go now. We would have to wait because they would all be in high school or they would both be in high school. That's not going to work. And then (laughs) missions, you do kind of hit these bumps, these gaps where it's better at certain times to go. Or I guess you would say in the other way, it's more difficult to go at certain times. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have the practicalities of making, you know, getting yourself to having almost no debt. Or obligations, you know, those are yeah. uh, part of the assemblies of God, and, and they're very good, wise things for you, mm-hmm. because otherwise it would just be too difficult. Yeah. Um, but for us, we just kind of were weighing: uh, if we don't go now, then we're going to have to wait till the kids are out of school, and then are we really going to going to go at that point? <laughs> and you know, you, you can keep coming up with reasons not to go. Yeah. It's very easy because okay. it's never going to be convenient <laughs> right. to, to sell everything you have and take off to wherever you're going to go. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be easy or convenient. And and you kind of have to reach that point. And it is kind of a jumping off, you might say. Yeah. How long did it take for you to when you accepted the call, the call to missions and then as far as raising support to years? stepping on the field when you actually... From from oh. accepting the call to hopping off the plane. Do you mean the to the time. point of you, the point of saying yes, I'm going to be an Assemblies God missionary, or being called of Christ to be a missionary? Yeah, well, yeah, yes, I'm going to be an Assemblies God missionary, vocationally God as missionary. a, a okay. label. You know, the label of that. <laughs> okay, I get you. Yeah, I get you. Okay, okay. Um, oh gosh, let's see. I would say. Um, the whole process, you know, it takes like a year or so to do your process of application, uh, for general appointed, not for an missionary associate. And then, um, and then for that, then you've got to itinerate. And for us, it was goodness, a good year and a half to itinerate. And then you go to the field, you know, and so it's quite a process. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's not a bad thing either. Uh, although it seems like it, um, and there can be, there are kind of, I guess you say points to where you go mm-hmm. long itinerations, bad. Okay. This long is, or long is good. And then this long is bad, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but a, a good itineration is good for the missionary in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, it was good for us. Cool. What, uh, describe to me what it was like when you finally get to the field for the first time in a foreign setting. Oh, it's, you know, I tell people, they say, what is it really like? 
And uh, I tell people, and I don't mean this in a negative sense, but in a, in a kind of realistic sense, it's like living on Mars. Okay. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> because everything is different. Mm-hmm. The language, the rules of life, the systems, the food, the smell, the everything is different. Um, and, of course, I can't, you know, give you other experiences. I can only give mine, in, yep. you know, in Africa. Um, and so um, that's and it, it, it. It is always kind of Mars to me because it's foreign. You're always a foreigner, even though you kind of forget it half the time. But the more and more you learn to feel at home on Mars, I, that's what I tell people. Okay. It's not that I'm not on Mars anymore. It's just that I feel at home. Yes. It's, you, a, it's comfortable. Yeah. So it's normal. Wow. And that was your first um first country was Sierra Leone. Is that correct? Or No, no. We first went into Ethiopia. Ethiopia, okay. Yeah. And how long were you there for? You know, we weren't there very long. We had some issues we had to deal with, and we had to leave the field and then regroup later and then come come back uh, to the field. And, um, and then the field we came to, they asked us if we would consider coming to Sierra Leone, and so that's how we wound up there. Oh, wow. Wow. And what has been your, your passion and, and driving? You said teaching is primarily teaching what you've been doing. Training. Okay. Has that been enough? Teaching a, and training. Well, I've actually been building a Bible school of late, but that's, that's just because it was just given to me that I need to do this. We had a missionary that was a builder. He was given a project, but he had some health issues. He couldn't do the job because of those health issues. He had to leave the field. Um, and I was the only one on the field. So, um, it wound up being, I wound up being the project manager. Okay. And that is that, that's what your focus is right now or? It is. That's what we've been doing for the last, um, two years. Yeah. Awesome. So, and, and, and is that your goal now to just continue to be a foreign missionary for the rest of your life? What is, what is your hopes and dreams right now? That's uh, teaching and training on the field in Africa, working in Bible school. That's, that's what I want to do. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, to me, um, you know, my, like most missionaries I, I met, you know, um, you know, my, my heroes as a believer were always missionaries and, uh, it still is, you know, I, I, I look around, I admire my fellow missionaries and, and kind of once I figured out what I really wanted to do, it's kind of all I ever wanted to, to be and do is to be a missionary. Yeah. And so. Wow. Yeah, Why? I, let, let me ask this question. Why Africa? Sure. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we prayed about it a lot and thought about it a lot and, uh, I don't know. That's, that's all I can tell you is we just prayed about it and felt like this is where we needed to land. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let me, of... let me answer the question for you then since you can't, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I'm a huge Africa fan junkie. I've been to, you know, I've had taken, 
I don't know, maybe nearly 30 trips all over Mexico yeah. with uh, home missions and indigenous people groups. I've been to um, Haiti before. I've been to Jamaica. But there is something for me uh, about Africa. Uh, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Is it the smell? Is it? And it's, it's really hard to explain that to people. I've taken some people to Africa on short-term mission trip. Yeah. And they take the drug that I've had. And they're like, oh, now I see what Pastor Jeremiah is talking about. Oh, man, <laughs> this is amazing. But, uh, you know, kind of what I guess I've kind of come to the conclusion with people is that here's what I want you to do first is I want you to open your heart to the global mission of God. That is that that heart that Jesus has to want to reach the entire world for Jesus Christ. And if you just begin to step one, open yourself to that. Number one, by, you know, when missionaries come like, you know, praying for them or looking at their information, starting to give the missions, uh, maybe taking a short term mission trip. It's just kind of interesting how when you begin to open yourself to that God will begin to kind of point you towards that place or that people group. You know, I mean, I'll have missionaries that will talk about uh, Europe and they'll talk about uh, Russia or something. And it it doesn't even move the needle for me. Uh, Not in a bad way. I'm just saying it doesn't do anything, you know, but no, that's that's understandable. But if you just open yourself to missions, God, I believe God has. God has a country. I mean, your own country. I'm passionate about reaching America and where I'm at and doing the work of God uh, right here in Carthage, Missouri. But I just, I also believe, and I can't necessarily point to a Bible verse, I guess, but that God has a country for you um, to get passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, it's one of those, you, we, you know, here in Africa, we, we, as missionary body, we always try to be flexible. We try to kind of uh, hang hang on loosely to um, where we're at, because you always realize every time you leave the country, but you may never get to go back, mm-hmm. um, because those are the realities of Africa, um, and it's reality of missions. Missions is very different um, um, because you don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't know what is going to happen on the field, in the nation, whatever. And uh, in particular, some of the more unstable nations. And so, um, but but you live with an awareness of the calling to Africa and the love for your team. Uh, you know, we call it the Africa house because we, we believe in one another. We support one another. And this thing has got Africa missionaries. And um, so... Even though you love where you're at, you love the people where you're at, um, but but we do feel, I think, a certain greater sense to Africa itself and to our our team, uh, our Simba's God team, and um, and and to that function of where we, you know, such as teaching and training or or whatever we do, uh, because most of us have served in different capacities in different places and there's a bit of movement uh sometimes and it's not too many people that start out in one place and stay in one place the whole time yeah it's not as common (laughs) what do you want people to really understand about missions um as they're listening to this podcast outside of hey pray for us and give us financial support what's some of the things that you're like i wish more people understood this about missions i think I guess to me, the the core of missions is that 
God is fully deserving of all we give, more than we can give, number one. Um, Number two, the lost are truly lost. They're not just unchurched. They're not just um, poor people or whatever Americans often think. Mm -hmm. The issue is lostness. That is the over over overriding issue in, in everything. Not there are not other things that are not important, but that is the issue. Um, and that as you pursue the lostness of, of you pursue lost people, you're 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 pursuing the path of Christ. And the it's not two paths. Um, that is the road that Christ is, is, is sending. He sends, is, is, is he is sent to the lost. And, and when we go to the lost, we're following him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, in, it's, it's in missions and is an expression of worship. And, um, and he is worthy. And, he, and, and he's worth it. And, and uh, his mission is worth it. Yeah. Amen. That's great. Uh, great thoughts. Love hearing your story, things that you shared about missions today. Let's wrap up with this. If uh, people have heard this podcast and they want to follow you further, is there a way they can um, Facebook or social media of some kind that they can connect with you further? Absolutely. Yeah. They can just contact me on Facebook, Brent Jordan, my wife, Joanne Jordan, we're both on there, of course. And then they can email me brent.jordan at agmd.org and that's it awesome well hey hand clap for you brent jordan missionary to sierra leone we appreciate you coming on today hey we hope that you've enjoyed all of these missions podcasts we've been doing lately again like share and subscribe to the grace point daily podcast i'll talk to you guys next time